Hello, and a very warm welcome to the Peace Alliance monthly action call for the month of February 2021. Um, and if you're listening on a Peace On podcast, welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan Kahn. I'm the National Field Coordinator for the Peace Alliance, and I am very grateful for all the folks who are joining us here in person and for all the folks who are listening or watching later on on our podcast. Um, plan for this evening in a minute or two, I'm going to introduce our special guest and we're going to hear from Nancy Meyer uh, for about 10 minutes or so. Then we'll have 15 minutes for discussion with Nancy um, about the topic that she's going to tell us about and share about. Um, so there'll be time when you can engage with your questions and your thoughts um, around that topic. And we'll talk about an action that we recommend for this month. Then we'll have an update on the Department of Peacebuilding campaign from Geraldine Stapleton. And um, then after that, we'll have time for shares from the field. So anything that's going on in your peacebuilding world, uh, we wanna hear about it. Um, it could be in your work with lobbying, with advocacy at the federal or state level, or it could be something happening in your neighborhood, in your school district, um, or any, any facet of your peacebuilding work. You're welcome to share events, announcements, challenges. Um, so that is the plan. Um, Nancy Meyer has been active with the 9-11 Families for Peaceful Tomorrows, or Peaceful Tomorrows is how you would find it on the internet. The organization is listed as Peaceful Tomorrows, which is a group of family members of people who lost their lives in the events of, of September 11th, um, 2001, who have come together and been working in various ways around the world to build peace, to reduce violence, to increase the power of justice um, in our world. So um, really taking the seeds of, of tragedy and growing it into some fruits of more harmony and more cooperation and understanding. And it's um, work that I appreciate. And I'm so glad to have Nancy with us tonight to talk about some things that are important to her and to tell us a little bit about her journey. So very much thanks for you to be with us, Nancy, and a warm welcome. Hi, everybody, um, and thanks for inviting me today. I, um, I'm kind of nervous about the intro that Dan was giving <laughs> because, uh, you know, it makes me sound pretty impressive, but I'm, I assure you, I am just a rural Nebraskan who tries really hard to change the world on every front. Um, I, um, there are a lot of different things going on, and I'm going to focus today on, on just one experience I had right before uh, the pandemic. Um, for me, it was just one experience, but it's part of something bigger that's been going on for a very long time. And when I finish, then I will talk a little more about uh, the action items that Dan mentioned for uh, our organization, Peaceful Tomorrows. So I'm going to do some screen sharing here. Bear with me while I set up. Ah, hold on. <laughs> I, I have to do it in a certain order, don't I? Okay, can you all see that? Great, okay. This is our organization uh, webpage. So my organization is a nonprofit and it's comprised of uh, family members of those killed on September 11th, 2001, we seek to break the cycles of violence caused by war and terrorism. We are especially concerned about actions taken as a direct result of the 9-11 attacks. This includes the now a nearly forgotten ongoing process of trying the men accused of involvement in the attacks at Guantanamo Bay Naval Base in Cuba, a uh, location that everyone knows as Gitmo. In October of 2019, I had a chance to spend a week at Gitmo to observe the Military Commission's pre-trial hearings. And I'm going to begin with an excerpt from my diary. He was smaller than I expected. The man who probably designed the plan to murder my sister-in-law was quite short, only 5'4", my height. I asked about this and was soon handed a list of heights and weights of all five of the accused sitting in that courtroom. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed matched me precisely in weight as well. 
And so I found myself a person with zero presence on the world stage, staring at someone whose outsized international stature was at other, utter variance with his physical presence, thinking, we are the same in this respect. We would fit into the same clothing. We would literally see eye to eye if standing together. TSM was far from the robust, swarthy man I had seen in the infamous photo published at his capture. His physical size is certainly no match for his global reputation. The young woman sitting next to me in the courtroom voiced my thoughts. They all look so normal, she gasped, when the five most infamous prisoners of modern times filed into the courtroom on that first day. But by any measure, everything about Gitmo and the decades-long trial there is unconventional. It might surprise you to know that the Gitmo Military Commission's proceedings are public, but the only public who can attend them in person are 9-11 victims' family members or members of a select, select group of 25 NGOs. Peaceful Tomorrow's members are both because membership in our NGO is restricted to 9-11 family members. Why did I go there? Did I go to see justice served? It certainly would not be served in a week as it had not been for nearly 20 years. And there is no realistic expectation that it ever will be. I was told that my presence there as an observer was to see and be seen and to hold my government accountable. I was also told that I should tell about the place when I returned. There was a deliberate decision to hold the 9-11 accused at a cost of $13 million per prisoner per year at Gitmo, a rented U.S. territory that one U.S. government official called the legal equivalent of outer space. In other words, when jurisdiction is complicated by international legal ambiguities, anything goes. And trust me about this, at Gitmo, it does. Right now, well over half the prisoners at Gitmo have not even been charged with a crime. Realistically, the Gitmo trial system is a hopelessly complicated legal, moral, physical, and philosophical quagmire. Here are some of the reasons here are some of the questions I submitted to one of the 9-11 trial attorneys about the accused. Assuming they are guilty, have they already been punished enough via the years of brutal torture they endured at black sites? Would death be more punishment for them or release from punishment? Would it be a reward in their worldview? How does trying these men and then putting them to death square with not trying Osama bin Laden, but simply putting him to death? I have never understood the difference in due process between these cases. Not surprisingly, I did not get answers to any of these questions beyond the fact that a defense attorney would be unwise to give any kind of substantive response. I rather suspect that none of the attorneys, regardless of the side they are on, really could come up with reasonable answers. No one can. The fact of torture changes everything, Amar. Uh, Amar Al-Baluchi's lead defense attorney, James Cannell, told me, torture affects every single aspect of the trial, from evidence gathering to witness processing to sentencing. It's not just that it's internationally illegal and morally wrong to torture people, nor that it is, in a very real and practical sense, of no useful value. Torture is a hidden cost to due process in that it absolutely ruins the ability to ever properly carry out justice. Military commissions were intended to sort out what happened and to properly process those accused of massive horrible crime so that some kind of justice can be served. Justice and closure are important to victims' families. Yet one thing is well understood and tacitly accepted by all who work inside these trials and observe them firsthand from the outside. And that is that justice will never be served. It cannot be. Even without all the other challenges, and there are many, there simply can't be, there simply isn't any version of justice that could ever be acceptable as appropriate to both the vengeful and the merciful, the law abiding and the law bending, the fundamentalist Christians and the fundamentalist Muslims, the victims' families, and those who lost no one. The trial at Gitmo is fascinating. It's also infuriating, devastating, confounding, interminable, 
and as widely ignored as it is maddeningly misunderstood. But it is without any doubt profoundly historic. KSM and the four Q's co-conspirators who sit in that courtroom allegedly did something that changed the world in so many, many ways for billions of people. But these men are remarkably unremarkable, just normal looking middle-aged Arab men, broken men from excessive and brutal torture, but ordinary human beings of flesh and blood nonetheless. Like the 9-11 accused, we all want to do something that could change the world. Many of us feel a daily desperation to make a difference, a real difference, something significant and long lasting. I know I do, but how do we do that? Today, you get your pick of existential threats to work on. Here are just a few. Anything you can do to avoid or mitigate any of them undoubtedly changes the world for the better. Importantly, what we do does not need to be something big or shattering or saving or with worldwide impact in order to have an effect beyond our lifetimes. We can do similar, we can do smaller, but significant things that still leave a legacy of good because we never know the ripple effect our actions take. One idea is to simply recognize and honor the humanity of others in every single interaction. To be clear, I have no sympathy for the extremist ideology and actions of those involved in the 9-11 attacks, but I do see the accused as human beings, as opposed to an amorphous, shadowy entity to be feared or reviled, as the media promotes. And in doing that, I change their image, an important first step in promoting peace. And that's something I never expected to find out, much less announce publicly. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and I are, in some ways, alike. We, we are two rapidly aging human creatures with strong ideologies and a big passion to do something important. Both of us have gray hair and weary brown eyes and stand at the same height in the same size mortal body. Most importantly, he is no more or less powerful than I am and never has been. We are so similar, I thought, while looking at a notorious accused mass murderer who shattered so many lives. I really want to change the world too, just not the way he did. Okay, hang on a minute here and I will switch over to a different document. I want to show you the, um, I'm going to stop sharing for a minute here. And I want to show you some of the, um, the items that we are asking for people to uh, do at Peaceful Tomorrows. If you're uh, willing or interested. And I believe you would have gotten this document uh, from Dan when you registered. Um, we have three action items. If you can see that, uh, three things that you can do as of today that we're working on. Uh, we're asking folks to call their congressman. I'm sure you all have done this. Um, and we'd like you to um, let them know that we believe the military commissions are failing um, and that we would, uh, the prisoners should be uh, sent to the U.S. and reopen the State Department office for allowing these transfers. Um, the document you were sent says click here. You can find out more information about what you can say. Uh, we have an upcoming webinar and I sent Dan that document on uh, that has the link. It's not yet online, but the document I sent him does. But here is what it will look like when you uh, see it on our website or you get the document. Um, it's coming, uh, the webinar is coming on February 16th. And as you can see, that's at Eastern Standard Time. Um, our headquarters are in New York. And this is um, a, a talk between a former Gitmo detainee who wrote a book and a Peaceful Tomorrow's member who made friends with that person. Um, and then the third item is to contact our organization. Let us know about opportunities to expand our network. And if you need a speaker for an event uh, this year, uh, 2021 is the 20th year anniversary. And so our speakers are going to be in high demand. Um, I put a link uh, here in the document that Dan sent you that uh, will take you to where to request a speaker for your event. Um, I personally have spoken in um, 
um, Texas a couple times. I've gone to uh, Arizona, California, even Japan to speak on behalf of the organization. Uh, whenever you hit a five or 10 year mark, we, we get a lot of people asking. Um, and also there's a summit that we're planning um, for young persons uh, to work towards peace and justice. And that's gonna be coming up as part of our uh, uh, 20 year anniversary event. And so here's a list of the, this is also in the document, uh, a list of the things that we're gonna be working on all year long, um, issues around closing Guantanamo, uh, just as Obama prom promised in his presidency, we're hoping Biden will follow through. Um, and then um, mobilizing to prevent nuclear war. It's a very important aspect. Uh, I noted that Tomoko is on the call from Hiroshima. The uh, Hibakusha were the first folks to reach out to us uh, in solidarity after 9-11. And we have a strong uh, connection with folks who are uh, trying to prevent a nuclear war. Um, and then also uh, webinars and educational events and engaging youth and learning uh, that I mentioned before. And then we're trying to increase education in classrooms and other places because we feel like uh, this material is recent history, but is being swept aside a little bit. Um, and um, a lot of kids um, today in classrooms, especially sixth grade, when they study uh, about this kind of history, they, they weren't alive. Uh, at this point now, they weren't alive at 9-11. So uh, this, is a, this is an issue we want to keep going uh, toward the future. Um, and I do want to point out that um, since I mentioned you, Tomoko, I, I, um, she can put, uh, you know, sent me some things if you'd like me to share them with you about uh, how to mobilize for action against nuclear war. Um, I didn't mean to, to say that she was a Habakusha, but I've been working with her um, on a website uh, called Lingua Hiroshima. And that is uh, where you can find lots and lots of literature about uh, nuclear, the nuclear bomb attack in Japan and in any language you want. So it's available for people worldwide. So I think that's all I have to say and thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you so much for sharing all that with us and for joining us tonight and for all this amazing passion and dedication that you're clearly bringing to this work. It's, it's so much. And um, to me, in, in my judgment, you seem to carry it with a, a lot of grace and, and relative, like if you make it flow somehow, I don't know how it feels for you in your, in your tougher moments, but you're presenting it to us in a, in a way that seems like somehow we can grapple with these things. The things we're talking about are huge. We're talking about torture and nuclear warfare. Um, but the way that you're bringing it to us is like, okay, we can take action to address these things and try to change future outcomes. So I really thank you. Um, folks that may have questions, I know I had a lot of questions looking at this topic. I had to, I went to the Peaceful Tomorrow's website, did some, some research and I have more research in my education. Um, but what do you wanna ask Nancy or what do you wanna to add to the conversation? Anybody have something coming up that you'd like to, to bring? Yes, I raised my hand. Oh, I, I couldn't see it, Charlyn. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I just raised up. it. I am just so excited uh, that she is here. Uh, I've been uh, blessed to have uh, seen a film. Uh, actually, I've been able to see it twice. It's going to be, re re be released on February 12th now. And it is the story of Mohamedou's uh, plight in Guantanamo Bay. And it just really illustrates and really documents everything that Nancy has pre presented here, uh, the whole ordeal of what he's gone through like for 14 years. And it stars Jodie Foster. She plays the ACLU attorney out of New Mexico that worked on his case. Uh, uh, and finally, uh, and Tamar, the, the, the actor that plays Mohamedou is just fantastic but it's well worth seeing. Thank you. Thanks, Gerilyn. And, and Gerilyn is also our, our uh, Peace Alliance uh, Council lead for, for our legislative work. Um, 
for folks that are excited about what Jared Lynn was just mentioning, um, and the, it, it uh, is the topic of the webinar that Nancy mentioned that's coming up on February 16th, and I pasted the registration link into the chat for that Zoom registration. So if you, if you cap, copy that link that's in the chat, that's a Zoom link to register for a call at 11.30 Eastern time on February 16th, um, which features the, the man that Gerilyn was talking about, Mohamedou Slahi, and uh, Peaceful Tomorrow's member, Elizabeth Miller. Um, Nancy, do you wanna say more about any of that that, that uh, just came um, Yeah, I, I just wanna say I really appreciate people sharing uh, movies that, that come out. And I wanted to just quickly do a, a share screen on this one uh, that I think I kind of had showing there for a minute. You see that this is a movie uh, starring Adam Driver. It's called The Report. My husband and I were really taken by this movie. Um, we watched it twice. It's, it's an amazing movie. It came out in October 2019, right before I went down uh, to Gitmo. And um, it was really um, just giving a lot of good background that, that American people have never seen about the whole aspect of torture. Um, and the effect that it's had on the prisoners, I mean, when we were down there, uh, we noticed one of the prisoners has to sit on a pillow all the time because of the, the torture that he's been through. And, and I wanted to point out um, that one of the people, well, there were quite a number of really interesting, uh, very smart people down there. One of the people I met uh, down there, I see that he's on the call. And so I just uh, asked him if he was interested in, in sharing a little bit. He's was uh, actually an attorney, a young attorney um, on one of the defense teams at one point. So I'm gonna ask if James Gullickson would like to speak up a bit. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Oh, great. Hey, I don't, I don't have much to add, but uh, just that, thanks for the invite. I've been listening uh, intently and, uh, and uh, I've been learning a lot and just uh, thanks, thanks for being here, Nancy, appreciate it. You're muted, Nancy. You're welcome. Thank you, James. James is very humble. He's, uh, uh, I believe he goes to, uh, or just graduated from the university in Washington, DC area and a uh, pretty sharp guy. He, he explained a lot to me while we were down there. It was fascinating to watch those pretrial hearings. So can I ask a sort of a basic question? Um, to, to me, it's basic. Um, for these congressional asks, the, the, the ask um, for our, our Congress people, um, we want to, to say that basically the, the form of justice that is being pursued, if this is any form of justice, is not working, that it's, it's taking too long and it's not finding success. So what we'd like to see is these prisoners be transferred to the U.S. so that U.S. domestic courts can exercise whatever justice is available in our system. Is that, is that sort of the goal? Yes, exactly right. That's, that's perfect. Yes. That what's going on down there will, I mean, they're still in pretrial hearings, if that tells you anything. The, um, the judges have changed and, and James might be able to correct me on this, but I think we're on our seventh judge down there now. Uh, there just simply is no real continuity from judge to judge when that happens in a trial. Um, and one of the judges along the way uh, had to um, take himself off of it because of some conflicts of interest. And that potentially uh, messed up about two years of, of the proceedings so that it may have to be redone. And it, it, it just gets messier and messier. And it, it really, I, I do, do not think that there will ever uh, be any kind of justice really carried out there. Um, it, it, it's kind of a mess. Yeah, for, for folks who, who have a sense that their education needs as much gaps filled in as I did uh, for my education, on the Peaceful Tomorrow's website, on the Guantanamo campaign page, uh, the first thing you'll come across if you look at history is a timeline. And it's a really straightforward timeline. It's an easy graphic to grasp 
and you can go through in about five or 10 minutes and get caught up on like 80 years of history and uh, up to the present and find out what's, what's going on. So you can peacefultomorrows.org and you'll figure stuff out pretty quick. Did I see a hand up? Nancy, yes. sure. Nancy Merritt, our uh, Department of Peace Building Council lead for the Peace Alliance. Oh, thank you for the thank you for the call. Um, let's see. When I I was in Cuba and we saw Gitmo from way up on the hill, and I somehow didn't realize it never dawned on me that it's a whole community. <laughs> you know, there's high schools and all that stuff. Um, but my question is. I don't know if you were able to talk to any of the attorneys or any of the, probably not the prisoners, I don't know, but what is the morale like with, say, among the attorneys? It just seems like a really hard, a really hard gig. Yeah, I, I appreciate that question. We actually talked with the defense attorneys um, and their morale was pretty good under the circumstances. Um, I think I quoted one of the defense attorneys uh, from my conversation with him, James Connell, and he, um, fantastic attorney. I was very impressed with all of the defense attorneys and especially uh, Mr. Connell. Um, they, they are really uh, taking the um, whole experience as day-to-day, step-by-step, doing their job. And um, I did ask Mr. Connell, you know, how is it that it's going on so long? I mean, what is, what is the, um, the reason why people just keep doing this when it, <laughs> you know, there's no real end in sight and it feels so futile. And he said, um, he, he basically said, you know, it's because we've always been doing it like that. It's kind of like, uh, you know, you get started doing something after a while, you don't, you don't question it. You just keep doing it that way. That's what he thinks the government is doing. I think mm-hmm. that it's just going on and on and on because that's that's the plan. And just, yeah, it's not very mm-hmm. useful. But are they just hoping people will die before they have to, to before they have to no, resolve? Speaking for myself, I I think they're expecting the folks to just sort of die of old age there because. I don't really see any other way for anything to ever resolve. I mean, like I said, a lot of the folks in that prison aren't even, um, haven't even been charged with the crime. So the focus has gone away. Uh, the, the whole place uh, suffers from what I was told is called benign neglect. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the money isn't there. It's extremely expensive to ship people down there. There's a plane that goes in and out once a week, which is what we took. And, um, you know, it's a chartered plane. It's a U.S., uh, you know, your tax dollars at work kind of thing. Just enormous expense. And if I told Dan um, when I talked to him, if there's one thing that does unite both sides of the political spectrum in the U.S., it's expense. And so if you talk to anyone, regardless of how they feel about, you know, 9-11 or anything else, but you just say, look, we're hemorrhaging money and we're getting nothing. Mm. Nobody likes that. So that is something that everybody can agree on. What also astounds me, this is sort of an in your face to the Cuban government and the Cuban people that we have this facility there and they can't really do anything about it. Yeah, I understand they're not cashing our checks. Our rental checks are really, really low. There's some agreement that holds them down to uh, an astoundingly small amount per year. You probably couldn't get an apartment for sure in uh, New York City for that. And it's, you know, it's many acres. I think it's 49 acres or something there. It's it's for square miles. I'd have to look that up. It's huge and it's beautiful. It's really nice piece of real estate, but we're not leaving. And they're not even cashing our checks because they would prefer we did. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience. Yeah, it's remarkable on, on, on so many levels. I, I can, I, I remember when, when we talked in preparation for this call, Nancy, um, you talked about how this, this issue itself didn't have a whole lot of traction for you before you took this trip. And you didn't, you didn't, you know, perhaps know so much why, 
why you, you might you know become passionate about this um but i i can i can see how like once you start to look into what's actually going on in our government's name in our name um it's it's hard to stand by and and not get active about it yeah you know i i do want to tell you that um there are some very good journalists covering gitmo and so i should mention that carol rosenberg of the new york times she has a website called gitmo observer and uh, you could really look on that. She's been covering Gitmo for something like 17 years. There's another, I'm going to put all of this in the chat. There's another man, um, his name is John Ryan, and he was down there. Both of, the, both of them were down there when James and I were there. And it, uh, he has a website called Law Dragon that he has posted on. And he's got some very good background uh, information. I've I read some of his articles on the way down to kind of get me grounded. So I'm trying to see if I can get this in the chat, um, the link so you can see. But you can certainly Google these guys. Uh, the second one is for John Ryan. I saw that Robert Brown had his hand up. Sure, Robert, what's in your mind? Yes, I do. I, I, I Question. Um, the history of it is that soon after 2001, the 9-11 attack, the first Guantanamo people came. Um, they've been there now for 18 or 19 years. And Obama tried to get them back and the Republicans rebelled about that. But if we talk about money, do you think Biden can get away with getting them patriated? Well, it may give him political cover. You know, I mean, if it's something he would like to do anyway, and uh, the outrageous expense of the place is brought up, as you know, uh, whenever uh, we get a Democrat in the White House, uh, the Republicans get extremely sensitive about money. Um, and so that could be an angle. All right. Well, thank you so much. I think we're, we're gonna wrap up this segment and people have plenty to work with. Um, anybody who was registered for the call should have received an email. If you were registered at least a half an hour before the call or more, uh, an email from me with this action sheet and the links, and then there's the links in, in the chat. Um, Nancy, you are welcome to stay with us for the remainder of the call if you like. I don't know what your plans are for the evening. I don't know what other demands are on your time, but we so appreciate that you've been with us thus far. And uh, we will continue on uh, for, for the next 27 minutes. But again, you're welcome to join us or you're welcome to take your leave, whatever is, is best for you. But thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you for your interest and in anything you all can do. I, um, I think before I go, I'm going to put a bunch of stuff in the chat so <laughs> you guys okay. can see. Uh, I've got a number of links and things like that if anybody wants more information, okay? Okay, terrific. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, James, thank you for joining us. Come back anytime. James mentioned in the chat, thanks for letting me listen in. Uh, all right, moving along, uh, I'd love to hear an update on the Department of Peacebuilding campaign. Um, many folks may be aware that the Peace Alliance has campaigns for creation of a Department of Peace and then for the creation of a Department of Peacebuilding. Um, and there's been a, a bill in the US Congress every session since I believe 2001. Um, and uh, maybe it's 2003, not sure about that, but um, at any rate, cabinet level department to research, promote and advocate for the best available practices for resolving conflict, reducing violence and enhancing cooperation. And here, I believe with a report from that committee is Geraldine Stapleton. Hi again, uh, before I begin with my report, I would be remiss after this wonderful uh, conversation with Nancy, I was privileged to be on a Q&A after the, uh, the screening of the film and Muhammadu uh, was on. His spirit is unbelievably joyous and he attributes that uh, through his being able to uh, forgive his captors. So that said, I will move on to our DOP report uh, our committee has uh, two new members, uh, Fernando and, uh, oh goodness, my eyes are not working here. <laughs> uh, 
Laura Brown. And also, uh, we are in our first phase uh, of the DOP campaign, and that's currently calling uh, co-sponsors uh, that have signed on to the bill to get them to co-sign before the bill uh, gets reintroduced. Uh, then we will go into phase two uh, and expand on our calls uh, to foster more co-sponsors for the bill. Uh, we've had a lot of proposals for projects uh, for the committee to, to, to do. In fact, a total of uh, 23. Uh, we are having to have extra meetings getting through uh, all of uh, reviewing all of the proposals and deciding uh, which bucket uh, they belong in. So we still, we still have 17 through 23 to go through, if that gives you any chance. Uh, some people have sent in some really, really great ideas. Uh, some that I think belong maybe more in for the Peace Alliance in general or whatever, but you'll be hearing from us in regards to, uh, to all of that. So, and uh, of course we started our, the season of nonviolence started on June 30th. So there will be e-blasts going out, you know, for uh, more uh, DOP co-sponsors and for more people to join us as we go along, uh, the more the merrier as we say going. So I think I covered everything up until now. It's very busy. And of course, uh, we do have representatives working on Dan's project for truth and reconciliation and healing uh, project. I think a couple of members working on, on the uh, stories part of it and a couple of us working on the policy part. So I think that concludes the report for now. Okay, thanks, Gerilyn. Um, just to make sure, I, I may uh, have missed something, but the season for nonviolence, did, did that start on, on uh, January 30th? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and yes. that's, that's uh, those next three months, just, just making yes. sure. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, perfect. Um, yeah, uh, a quick update on the, uh, the committee work that, that Gerilyn was just mentioning regarding truth and healing and reconciliation. So uh, a, a working group was initiated about six months ago to focus on um, advocating for and exploring the possibilities for truth, healing, and reconciliation in the United States around some of the history of our racial violence. Uh, including most prominently the indigenous genocide and oppressions and the instance of slavery and Jim Crow and various outgrowths of racial violence around those things. So um, as Gerilyn mentioned, two subcommittees focus teams have formed within that truth and healing and reconciliation working group. The two subcommittees or focus teams are looking at one is focusing on gathering and curating and sharing relevant stories. And the second is focusing more squarely on looking at policy advocacy. In other words, in the last session of Congress, there was a bill to create a Truth and Reconciliation Commission, looking specifically at the instance of slavery. Um, will there be a similar bill in the upcoming session? Is it something that we will try to influence the contents and the focus of? Um, so I'm very excited seeing the progress that both of those teams are making. Um, and we will keep you updated in our newsletter and on these calls. Um, so that's about all I have to say about that. Um, now it's time to hear from any of y'all who wants to give us updates about peace building in your part of the world. Um, anything that is an upcoming event or an announcement, a challenge that you're facing that you might want input about, a celebration. Um, yeah, it's a chance to hear from um, your peace building experience and anything that you would like to share or have consultation around. So anybody have anything that they want to contribute at this point? Yes, bud. And then Julie. I think it's really a big deal for all of us. All of us. Um, our tribal people have phrase, phrase, matakuyasan. It means we're all related. And if we can, we can put away, put away uh, uh, your eyes are the wrong color, or your hair is the wrong color, or you walk the wrong way, and we 
share our cultural ways with each other, where we came from and where we've been, where we've been. I think we can find that peace, that peace. And I know I'm echoing like crazy. I don't know why. Why? Just Maybe your words need to be heard more than once. <laughs> Thank you. I, I saw Julie's hand up after that. Julie, Julie you want to go ahead? Thank you, bud. Hi, Dan. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Yep, I'm echoing too. <laughs> Maybe I'll mute myself while you're talking. Okay, great. Um, I just wanted to let you all know, I a few months ago, I started a podcast called Peace and Love Amplifiers. And uh, the purpose, it's a mission to amplify the voices of people building peace. And that would be all of you. And um, yesterday, I had the great and wonderful opportunity to have a wonderful conversation with our Dan Khan here. And so that upcoming podcast uh, will be released in a few weeks and I'll keep you all posted. Um, but if anybody wants to be on uh, the podcast, please let me know. I'll, I'll send you my, um, my email and you can just reach out and we can schedule a, a, a session. You know, it's just a conversation and it's really fun to talk about, you know, what you're doing and, um, how uh you know how you're changing the world and next week's um next week's podcast it's coming out on tuesday is featuring um deb and kathy they're the great lakes peace center um actually met them on this call a couple months ago so um yeah so that's uh it's all good stuff so i will put my information in the in the chat Great. Thanks, Julie. I really enjoyed that conversation, too. Uh, that was that was a fun conversation yesterday. I look forward to, to hearing it and, and sharing it. Um, anybody else? I'm looking for raised hands, either electronically or physically. My hand is up. Oh, I see it. Sorry, Robert, go ahead. I wanted to ask, I think it was Gerilyn who was talking about Department of Peace building. I, I want to know if, if there's a separate Department of Peace and, a, and Department of Peace building. And if there are two, what would be the difference? No, the, the, the title has changed uh, from whence it started because I think originally it was the, uh, the Department of Peace and Nonviolence. Uh, then it went in it, when it got reintroduced after that it went through it, it's gone through several different versions the current title as of now is department of peace building hr 1111 we're hoping to have the same number again and it, is this an attempt to make it a presidential cabinet level department yes it's a us cabinet level uh, yes, we would have a Secretary of Peace uh, sitting, which is really one of the most important parts of it, to have a person sitting at that table that can offer solutions uh, to upcoming wars or whatever uh, to end it in a peaceful way rather than resorting to war. And how would it differ? I, I just from my questioning, I'm wondering how that's different from the Department of State, which is attempting to use tact and yeah. diplomacy. I, I'm not sure it succeeds at that, but what, how, would, how would this separate department be run in a different manner? Okay, the, uh, the, the legislation calls for 85% of it to be focused domestically that would be, you know, in terms of domestic violence and everything going on within the United States. 15% of it would be focused on international peace. The State Department, that is their only uh, charge, is, is for inter international. And from what we've been seeing in terms of all the wars uh, that we've been uh, <clears throat> doing, uh, 
that they haven't been doing uh, the greatest job, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it would be great to end wars and uh, invest that money into people rather than destruction. Does I that agree. answer your question, I hope? Yeah, I, th I believe so. And If um, not, Nancy can elaborate more. <laughs> and, and I definitely support this. And I, I, I was just going to say, if you kept it Department of Peace, it would almost sound Orwellian. So I like that you've added building to the end of it, because that means that we're working toward peace rather than just naming a department. department. Yeah, that, that it, is, it is something that has to be built. It doesn't just happen, you know, people have to, to, to make it happen. This is Nancy. Also, obviously, once we get a Department of Peace building, um, that's not the end at all. We always have to keep vigilant and keep building peace and, um, and equality and justice and all that stuff, which go hand in hand. Yeah, thank, thanks to y'all. I appreciate the discussion. Hi, Richard. Welcome. Go ahead. I'm wondering... Uh, Geraldine, where where do where do we go to find out um, when the bill drops so that I can contact my local uh, okay. representatives? The, I I spoke with ba uh, Beatty's office uh, just last week. I still haven't heard back from them. That's the 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 joint resolution uh, nine ninety, and uh, the person that I spoke to. It sounds like it's just kind of sitting there. And uh, so I'm not so sure about the rewrite and when it will be reintroduced, but they are supposed to get back to me on that. Uh, HRES 100, Barbara Lee's bill. I believe, well, I was on a call for anti-recidivism coalition and uh, which is very much in support of Barbara Lee's bill. And they expect that to be uh, the latest news on that is possibly be reintroduced on February the 22nd. But you'll definitely be hearing uh, from me uh, when these two bills get back up, that's for sure. Could I, could also about Thank Department of Peace, Department of Peace building bill. Um, is on track to be introduced as HR 1111. Um, we never know for sure till it actually happens. They're right now at bill number something like 970. So it will be soon if if they make it to the, uh, if, if they're able to get it in by the HR 1111. And we'll let you, you will hear. There will be big broadcast. <laughs> Nationwide, <laughs> we will know. We will let you all know. <laughs> Thanks. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Richard. Um, anybody else? Anything going on in your neck of the woods in terms of peace building that you want to share with us? This is this is your time to to let us know. Um, any events or announcements or challenges or anything that you're working on? We're happy to hear from you. Anything that you want to bring to the table? Well, being that we have a little time, the Los Angeles City Council <laughs> has a resolution sitting in committee uh, to uh, research uh, the cost of uh, putting in an Office of Violence Prevention. I guess it's kind of in response to uh, defunding uh, the police and so on and so forth. But I mean, it's, it, it's still needed, so. But it, as everything is still sitting there in committee. Okay, so some some works in progress. Sounds yes, like. work yes, in progress. Work in progress. Nancy, was that your I hand? Know. I saw. Up I again? Yes, I don't know if um, Cynthia would like to elaborate, but there's never a dull moment in San Diego. Um, so I will just, they, they are always working on, uh, letters, getting letters from us. Yes. Yes. I'm echoing, I guess. Um, 
And Cynthia, I would love if you would talk to them a little bit about the, um, the Valentine's Day initiative that you guys are doing. Would you, would you unmute and do that? Yes. Yes. Do you hear me? Yes. Okay, my phone is not working real well today. Um, but yes, we are doing a Valentine's Day Love to Love campaign with um, the Department of Peace Building and Kids for Peace. Um, I actually went out and purchased 25 lap blankets and we're going to be taking those to a nursing home um, to give to our elderly. Um, there were five other organizations that partnered with us and that's what the kids decided they wanted to do. So that's what we're working on. Um, also, we're working on getting a thousand, well, I, I know a good 500 letters to um, over to Miss Nancy um, for um, our topic this year. And um, we've been very fortunate here in San Diego that I've been able to work with the communities and the schools. And now we're having our new mayor that I do believe is going to sign on to, um, to support the Department of Peace Building, hopefully, Mayor Todd Glory. So those are just some of the things that we've been working on. What, what does peace mean to me? And that's what the kids are writing about. What does peace mean to me? So that's what we're doing here in San Diego. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I, and thanks, Nancy, for, for calling Cynthia out. I, I, when I saw Cynthia was on the call, I was hoping that you would volunteer some news, but I, I wasn't bold enough to, to actually call on you. So thank you, Nancy. No, I'm, um, I'm always bold so, enough. She calls on me all the time, so we've got to call on her. <laughs> That's great. So That's could great. I just say the letters, the goal of the letters is we get them to members of Congress and uh, as part of our advocacy days. And we would love if any of you work with kids or no teachers or whatever um, to get in touch with me at nancy at peacealliance.org or Cynthia, and we could tell you um, how we go about doing this. And it's pretty easy. And we would love to deliver letters from kids in your area too. How great to keep letting kids know that, that building peace is possible and help them raise their voice to, to help make that happen. Um, yes, John, welcome, John. Oh, hi, Dan uh, and everyone. I got to the meeting a little late, but uh, just want to mention that uh, every Saturday morning in Bellport, New York, we have a demonstration where uh, we have a guitarist who plays music and sings peace songs and and we uh, hold up banners and so on. And one of the things that I've been taking to the meeting is this little sign. <laughs> I don't know if you can see it. We need a Department of Peace. So I've been taking that uh, occasionally. And uh, I don't know if I reported last time on the uh, work we're doing on planting peace poles on Long Island. We have a goal of planting 100 peace poles in this year. And that has led us to uh, forming a peace committee in Patchogue, which uh, is uh, going to apply for Patchogue to be uh, recognized as an international city of peace. And you know there are about 150 such cities around the world. I think there are 50 in the United States. And so that's uh, been a very interesting uh, project. And uh, uh, it's been uh, something I've been working on hard and very uh, pleased with the kind of uh, interest and uh, cooperation that I've found in the Patchogue area. Other groups are interested in doing this, so it's going forward. Great stuff, John. Way, one other thing maybe I could mention. Sure. My uh, mug here has a uh, picture of uh, a sculpture that was made by a Bellport artists, I don't know if you can see it, but it's a layered wood sculpture of a dove. And it's called Embrace Peace. And it's about uh, two foot high and two foot wide. And we take that to meetings. It's a very, very beautiful uh, sculpture that uh, we're pleased that the uh, artist in Bellport uh, made that for us several years ago. So 
it's uh, one of the treasures we have in our group. Lovely, thank you. I think we probably still have time for one or two more if folks have things on their minds, on, on their plates, peace building wise. I'm happy to hear it. anyone. I, this is Robert. I, I just want to say one of my interests is Palestinian uh, and, and Israeli reconciliation. I, I'm really deeply troubled by what seems like a, an apartheid state. And I, I, I don't know if this group has any interest in that. I'd like to hear. Yeah. Thank you, Robert. I, I, I'm curious. I, I think I saw that that uh, Peaceful Tomorrows has some specific work that they have done around that area. Um, I don't I don't know that that the Peace Alliance has had a specific campaign around Middle East peace building. Um, not that I can recall. Um, but while I'm thinking about it, Nancy, does Peaceful Tomorrows have, have they done some work around uh, Israel, Palestine? But I saw something. Oh. I can't speak about exactly what they're up to right now on that topic, but we do have members who are Jewish and members who are Muslim, and they, um, you know, are very interested in this uh, particular topic. We've been active in on the aspect of, um, you know, all the discrimination that the uh, Muslim people, the Muslim faith in the U.S. Um, experienced after 9/11. And we do have one member, if you go to our website, she's probably got one of the most interesting stories of anybody in our organization. Um, there is a, a movie made about her son um, and that you can find that on YouTube. Her name is Talat Hamdani. I'll put her name in the chat. You just go to our website and look under member stories and look up Talat Hamdani. Her son was a... Um, member of the police force and went into the towers. And instead of getting to grieve him, she had to deal with being investigated. Um, and um, it was really quite remarkable, but he ended up being recognized as a hero. So uh, that's about all I can tell you, but I do wanna encourage you to look at our website and see what you might find, Robert, about uh, that particular topic you're interested in, because I'm sure there are members active in it. I, I see one other one on, on, on the Peaceful Tomorrow's website. Um, John Halleck reports on visit to Palestine. Um, so I, I don't know what's, what's in the, his report, but he's a member of, of the 9-11 uh, families for Peaceful Tomorrow's who went to Palestine and, and reported back. Um, yeah, that's all. Some, some to go on. Um, all right, we are in our, our final minute. So. Um, why don't, why don't we part with, um, with Yelena's campfire connection to have a little warmth on what's a chilly night by Northern Florida standards. And it's probably even chillier in other parts of the country, other parts of the world. Um, so gathering together um, historically for human beings has often been done around campfires, gathering around a fire. So I'll invite you to warm your hands as if you're sitting by a fire. See if you can actually generate some warmth. See if you can generate some, some heat between your hands. And notice that heat building. And share some of it to the fire that we have in common. So that we sort of share it around this fire, sharing our, our humanity and our experience of stories and wishes. and bring some of that heat and sharing of care and intention into our own hearts. The purpose that brought us together tonight can nourish us each and all. And finally, share some of that outward, wherever it may be needed, wherever there may be yearning for some of this connection, some of this shared humanity. Warm thanks to all of you and wishing you a great month till we meet again, if not sooner.
Um, you can find me with questions or concerns, dan at peacealliance.org. Thanks again, Nancy, for joining us. And thanks to you all. And have a great night. Thank you, Dan. Thank you all. Bye. Thank you all. For those of you listening on Peace On Podcast, thank you for tuning in to another Peace On Podcast and very best wishes from the Peace Alliance.